I'm right and you're wrong. Once you start labeling people, categorizing of humans and ideas, you have desensitized yourself to the humanity of that other human being, to who they really are. And in the marketplace of ideas, these things are complicated, man. We all need to engage with a variety of viewpoints. A genuine multicultural connection with another. I mean, sometimes you don't need to agree or disagree. You just need to sit with it and digest. Welcome back, everybody, to Ideas Digest, the live podcast where we attempt to take challenging ideas, ideas that divide people, because ideas without context just push people apart. So we're here to put the ideas back in context, have a discussion, and the person is always the context. So I'm joined by my regular co-host, Cam. Morning or afternoon or whenever you're listening. Wherever and whenever <laughs> you're listening. And we are joined on Instagram Live. So if you're watching us live, you can send through questions and be a part of the show. Yeah. We're joined live by my friend from Canada, Hannah. Welcome to the show, Hannah. Thank Welcome, you. Hannah. Thank you for having me. It's great to be seeing you and chatting chatting with you. Uh, we're just going to kick off the show with how we begin every program. We begin at the most divisive point. It's where news articles begin. It's where conversations begin. It's where people... Default to. Yeah, they yeah. default there in their mind. Yeah. And that's the clickbait. Yeah. So I've taken the liberty to clickbait this one, and I'll, <laughs> I'll tell you why I've done it. The clickbait is I'm an atheist. That's clickbait enough. But I'm an atheist because I seek the truth. Mm. Now, I, I was chatting to you in on Instagram and you mentioned that phrase. And, and that phrase, Cam and I are both growing up Christian. We know that phrase many Christians use all the time. They're like, no, no, I seek the truth. That's why I'm a Christian. Yeah. And you use that exact phrase. So the clickbait is, I'm an atheist because I seek the truth. Now, I, I'm hoping that's triggering a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I saw know. that and I was like, oh. Some of my friends aren't going to like that very much, but here we are. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Because even if you said, I'm an atheist, that's going to be triggering enough. But that's the point. I want to bring everybody or just push everybody to the point where they were going to go already in their mind. That's what we do. That's why we click. That's why we listen. Yeah. And it's the assumptions we make about people. Even if you say, oh, I'm not a Christian, people will just go, oh, well, you're an atheist. Yeah. You know, it's, it's that it's that default people will go to. So that's where we're going to start with the clickbait. We're going to get into the nuance, who you are, your ideas in a second. But before we do that, Cam and I are going to begin with a segment we love and it's fun. It's assumptions. So play along at home if you're watching on Instagram Live. We're going to throw some assumptions at you based on this clickbait title, okay? You can just, a simple yes or no, uh, no, no nuance. We don't want to hear no any nuance. nuance. Don't explain yourself. We're just making assumptions. Fast okay. and loose is the game. Okay. okay. So I'll I'll kick it off, and Cam and I will go back and forth, and we'll uh, we'll we'll go with this. Okay. So you're an atheist. You must be a nihilist. No meaning in life. That's what you think. I don't know. No. Okay. Oh, oh that's right. That's, right. Break that okay. one then. Yeah. All right. Um, you hate Christians just no. like Dawkins does. <laughs> No. Oh, no, I don't. Wow. All right. I don't hate Christians. <laughs> Some atheist you are. Okay. Okay. This will be one you've gotten a lot. You don't have any morality. You don't have ground. You're not a moral person. I saw that coming. That is not true. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. Delusional, I guess. Yeah, delusional, obviously. Yeah. Um, you think religion is illogical and irrational. Yes. Oh, Ooh, okay. You got a yes. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. Okay. You think you're smarter than Christians? No. Oh. Uh, okay. A humble atheist. <laughs> <laughs> Who would have thought? You believe you must believe in evolution, though. Being an atheist, like you must believe in evolution to be an atheist. Oh no! Like you personally? I personally, yes, I were, do. Yes, I do. Yeah. But all right. All right, side note: Do you think to be an atheist you must believe in evolution? No. Oh, that, that's an yeah. interesting one. Interesting. Right, I would okay. like to meet that person. <laughs> yeah, me too. But I don't think you have to be an atheist. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's fair. not a prerequisite. It's yeah. not your uh, fundamental beliefs. Yeah, yeah. Belief structure. You haven't, you haven't obviously read the Bible. I've not. Oh, yeah. It's only supposed to be yes or no. I don't have a yes or no for that. I've read many parts of it, but not cover to cover. So you have read the Bible. So obvi just obviously not properly. Clearly. Yeah, not properly. <laughs> <laughs> Science is your religion. Science is my religion. No. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. Christians will love to load that one to you. Just yeah. so you know, they yeah. love that one. <laughs> okay, last one. Okay. And if anyone online has one, send them through. Yeah. Uh, your dad was a pastor. No. Okay, all right. That's a that's a common thing, you know. Uh, pastors' kids often get a bit uh, fast and loose, like rebelling against the thing. So yeah. it's okay. We, we, no, we, he was man. not a pastor. <laughs> We've broken a lot of assumptions there. I think we yeah. only got one, maybe yeah. two, one and a half. Um, so all right, assumptions done. Turns out you're not a bad person. Turns really. out, turns out you <laughs> you, you actually seem like a lovely person. Let's uh, get to know you. I'm glad I passed the uh, test. <laughs> <laughs> so. Tell us, tell us a little bit about your upbringing and your family. Like, did you grow up religious? Okay, I did not grow up religious. I grew up in a, I would say, more secular household. My uh, parents are not religious. My dad, I think he would he would call himself an atheist. And my mom would say that she is spiritual on some level. I think, yeah, my my mom. My mom didn't necessarily grow up with religion because her parents are immigrants from Northern Ireland. And so they wa- they had to move to Canada to get married because of the whole Protestant Catholic divide. Yeah. And so like parts of my family are religious, just not my immediate family, I would say. Mm. Did your parents grow up both Catholic and Protestant? No. I would say my mom, like, I think my, my mom was baptized and I think she, her parents took her to church, but like they weren't. They weren't like, you have to like follow this. You're my children. So you have to do this. And like, I think when, when they, uh, when they could make up their own mind, they were either like, yeah, we'll go with you to church or no, we're not going to go with you. And then I actually don't know much about my dad's childhood religious Okay. Thanks. So, so what did that look like for you then? You obviously didn't go to church. What does, what does uh, two two church church upbringings here? Yeah, yeah. We're like every Saturday, you know, going to church. It's uh, just watching cartoons for you, or like, yeah. What what, what, what did it look like? What would like? you do on your Saturday and your Sundays? What are you What are you secular people doing? <laughs> Not going to church. <laughs> I don't know. Just take taking your normal childhood, but take out the church. I'd say it's the same. This. Fair enough. Sounds normal. Sounds normal. A lot of fun you must have had, I guess. Church was a little bit boring, to be honest. Yeah, I was only there for the friends, to be honest. (laughs) Yeah, me too. But then I was forced into church and like, no, no, you got to come sit down. And then I was like colouring in for like an hour. And boy, that was a patience tester. Just waiting to hang out with my friends afterwards. That was... Yeah. yeah. So did you grow up with any, like your schooling environment, for example, did you know any Christians when you were going to school? Um, did you have any Christian friends like, um, or, you know, other religions, Muslim, Buddhist, whatever? Like, was there any other sort of interactions that you had with other religions while you were growing up? Uh, I would say mostly Christian because I live in small town Ontario. So... <laughs> um, Is that a pretty religious um setting like like rural america i imagine like the country bumpkin the rural american like christian thing is that ontario uh i think like to a lesser degree but yes i did have a lot of uh, religious friends growing up some of my best friends now are religious um i would go to church with my friends just out of curiosity because uh one of my one of my friends in grade nine his dad was a pastor and so i would go to his church and there would be small groups afterwards uh, to ask questions, and so I went because I wanted. Even at you didn't ask many questions, though, did you? Troublemaker. <laughs> <laughs> I did, but um, uh, <laughs> uh, I was just I wasn't like satisfied with the answers they uh, they were giving me. Like even at thirteen or fourteen sure. years old, and so like they were just they would just kind of like dance around my questions. Didn't click for you when you were when you were at church. Yeah. Do you would you? I know it's a long shot. I don't know how old you are now, but it was obviously a little while ago. Would you do you remember any of the kind of questions that they would try and skirt around and dodge or seven years ago? I was thirteen, twenty nine. Yeah, I don't remember them, but they were just I'll I'll think about that more and then I'll try and Yeah, we can yeah, come back to that one. Back, in the but... in the meantime, we'll go into like what are your what's your family background? Like what's your parents' jobs and So uh I have a younger brother, two years younger than me. Uh, mm-hmm. and my mom, she is an ESL teacher. So English is a second language in mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. this place called Brampton, where a lot of immigrants come and settle in Brampton. So she, uh, deals with a lot of kids that have like parents that are from Pakistan or Iran and they don't speak good English at home. And so she mm-hmm. helps teach the kids 
English. And then my dad, he is an air traffic controller at Pearson in Toronto. Yeah, okay. That's cool. That's like a pretty like high end job. Like that's you know. Is he in the tower? No, so there's there's two there's a couple types of air traffic controllers. So the guys in the tower they do takeoffs and landings, and then okay. there's a separate building that's separated into four quadrants, and it's yeah. northeast, south, and west. And then in those, it's low and high. And so my dad, he is oh. he's the supervisor of the west high airspace that Toronto owns. So like any airplanes that go oh. through the west high airspace, which is twenty five thousand feet and above, he'll deal with those. Oh, that's cool. It's like, get yeah. that drone out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think a drone could go that no, high. Probably <laughs> not day. quite 25,000 feet, but whatever. Um, okay, what, what about you then? What, what's, your, what's your current job or what's your area of study right now? Education. So, yeah, that sort of stuff. Uh, for a job, <laughs> I'm a bartender at a vegan restaurant <laughs> and I'm oh, also, yeah. I'm a full-time. Are you vegan yourself? Yes, I am. I, I am a conservative American's worst nightmare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm a full-time student at the University of Toronto, and I study theater and religion. New question we haven't asked, I guess, before, but I, I'm, interested, uh, I'm interested in your take on it. Um, what societal groups do you identify with? Like maybe po- if it's political groups or religious groups. Sporting teams. Sporting teams, hobby whatever. groups. Like what kind of groups when you think, who, who do I identify with or think that I'm kind of aligned with? You said vegan, so I'm going to throw that one out there. Or yeah. do you prefer the new, the newer plant-based whole foods? <laughs> I, I'm fine with vegan because I also try to uh, incorporate that into not only my diet, but like also the clothes that I okay. buy or the products that I use. Cool. Uh, yeah. yeah, I would say that I am a feminist at that group, and I know that's mm-hmm. also going to make people like lose their head. Feminist, you're going to trigger yeah. a lot. I should have yeah. dropped that. We, in we the should have put that in the clickbait, in the clickbait too. <laughs> We'll get you back to talk about feminism. I like that one. I'll I'll say, yeah, feminist in the sense that everyone is equal, not that like women are above men and I hate men. That's um, still too much nuance for us. I think it's common sense, but some people are like, feminist. Anyways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Triggering. Yeah. Uh, I would say that I'm, as you could probably guess, more liberal. Than conservative, okay. uh, definitely yeah. more. So not a not a Trumper. Can't say I like him very much, but yeah, I voted green. <laughs> I voted green in Canada, if that means anything to anyone. So the Green Party. Okay. So you like the environment. You like things like maybe universal basic income or more progressive political ideas. More yeah. progressive, yeah. Any hobby groups that you I don't know on your on your free Saturdays and Sundays? Yeah, you, you got any sporting or hobby or I don't know. Not like currently right now in university but i used to when i was in high school i was i was really into sports so i was a figure skater a rower and i ran track and cross country oh, wow. right now i don't have time to join a team so well you can't anyway <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's all yeah. closed up shop yeah well let's let's get into this idea then do you want to tell us minus the clickbait we'll just let pull you... that clickbait apart. Yeah, pull that clickbait apart. So I'm an atheist because I seek the truth. Uh, do you want to just talk to us about that and maybe we'll define go. a few yeah. things, um, a few words in there, like atheism, for example, because there'll be a lot of people that may have a different idea of what atheism is to you. So like maybe how you view that word and yeah. Okay, so for atheism, if anyone doesn't know, it's uh, the lack of a belief in God. And so I would say that. Okay. Some people would say like, oh, so you, for me, it's, I don't believe in God rather than I believe there is no God, if that makes sense. Okay. 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 Pull that apart more. Like that's, yeah. that's an interesting distinction. Yeah. So I would say it's the lack of a belief rather than having the belief in, whether okay. it's like the okay. belief in nothing, like that there's nothing there. It's like, I don't, I don't necessarily believe that there's nothing there. I just don't believe in God. There's the idea of agnosticism where it's like you don't know and then atheism is like no God. So is would there – because I'm just trying to – Is there like that Dawkins great? Yeah. Where he's like a seven point seven <laughs> point. Is would In your opinion and your assessment of Dawkins, is he more of a I don't believe whereas you're more of a I lack a belief? Or are you – or do you see – how do you see that – bring Dawkins into that analogy? I, for me, I know that Dawkins, I know some people find Dawkins really intense and 
they don't like him. I like him because uh, he just, <laughs> he's no BS. He's, he just kind of lays it on as it is. But for me, I think, I also, I think Duggins, I don't know him personally, but from what I understand, um, I think he's similar to me because of that gray area you were talking about before. He says, he's like on that scale, he's not the super extreme Seven. because if evidence came up that changed his mind, he wouldn't turn it down. Yeah. He would be open to it. And he's a scientist, so I don't know if he like he could turn it down because that's the whole point of, I don't know, science, just to like be, like to analyze and accept mm. new information and like put your yeah, right. disproven ideas behind you. And so even though he is intense and he's a self-proclaimed atheist, I do think that he would, if evidence was presented, I think he would embrace it. I have, I have, I think I've saw something where he has, I don't know, I could be wrong, but he has like a seven point scale and he says he's a six because of what you've spoken about. He's like, I'm not a hundred percent. There's still, you know, I'm a scientist, show me Still evidence and I'll look at the evidence, yeah. but he would say six. So I guess you'd be like, listen, I haven't found any, I lack a belief, but you know, if, if there, something came up, you know, Jesus himself drifted down from the heavens, you're like, damn, I was wrong. Like, <laughs> yeah. Right. I, yeah. I would, I wouldn't, um, going back to what Cam, what you mentioned yeah. earlier about agnosticism, I wouldn't, I would call myself an agnostic, but I'd put atheist first because I, I don't believe in God. Some people are, some agnostics are like, oh, I, I honestly don't know. I can't say that I do and I can't say that I don't. But right now I can say that I don't. Right. But I am agnostic yeah. in the sense where I'm absolutely open to being proven wrong. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I like this distinction. Yeah, it's, yeah. There's a lot of gray within what was once a one label black yeah, and white yeah, thing. Yeah. So what led you to atheism? You've said that you've explored, you've gone to churches and stuff. You've had christian friends and things like that so you you've, you've explored these ideas it's not like you just fell into it um or you just woke up one morning and all of a sudden you're an atheist or you were born and you're you've just never you've explored it so like tell us about some of that exploration like what the main thing that led me to being an atheist is asking questions and so i've always been a curious person and i like to know things and i like to learn living where i do as we mentioned before i'm surrounded by christians and that friend that i had that took me to his church that again, we mentioned before, it kind of started there. Mm. And since I couldn't get those, since I couldn't get answers, direct answers from a pastor, even I was, uh, I was more curious and more driven to be like, why can't he answer my questions? Can you just tell me about your, um, I guess your headspace and where you were coming from at the beginning where you were like, so you were, oh, these people believe in God. What is this thing? Like you had no idea. You had some ideas because of your family upbringing. Like at, what was your headspace when you were going into your questioning? It's a good question. Um, I would think, I think where I was at, it was more of just, I'm curious. I don't hold these beliefs. I don't know what I believe because I'm 13. Uh <laughs> And so I think I was just okay. curious and a lot of people around me were Christians. So I was like, okay, I've done some research yeah, on the internet. Different? I don't know what any of these things mean because <laughs> again, I'm 13. And so I went to go, went to a church <laughs> yeah. to see, to talk to a, I guess, professional in that field, a pastor. A and, God professional. Yeah. A pastor. Mm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was more of coming from a spot where I don't know anything about this and I want to learn about it Interesting. kind of thing. So has, has that, I mean, because you said you were studying um, something and theology or that, that questioning obviously hasn't ceased. Like you're still obviously engaged in this somehow. Would you, would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You were, you were at, you're 13 years old, you'd gone to a church. Yeah. And so the avoidance of those questions made me want to ask more of those questions. And so then in grade 12, so a couple of years later, which that's, I guess, the final year of high school in Canada, um, my school offered a world religions course, and um, I had a fantastic teacher who would always let me ask questions and pick apart ideas and point out fallacies or holes or missing links in belief systems and ideas in the class because I'm that student. Uh, and the very imp the thing, the really important thing that he said to me at the end of that year was to never stop asking questions. And so I promised him I wouldn't. And then, yeah. then that summer, I was invited by a friend to work at a camp. 
I'm going to put camp in quotation marks. Conrad yeah, nice. knows why it's in yeah, quotation nice marks. I know what I know what you're talking about. <laughs> and uh, it was a Christian camp. And I guess people like you, Conrad, were important to me there because I feel like the environment there, if you weren't a Christian, it was you don't talk about that. But you and Brooke uh, were very open to having those conversations. I love that and, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm a secret heretic. Don't you worry. <laughs> yeah. And so that was that was really great. And I worked at that Christian camp for uh, – Another season, I worked there for the spring, and then uh, there is. I also applied for that the next summer, and they didn't hire me because in that spring they had found out that I was not a Christian. Right. Damn, that's yeah. that's Christianity one hundred and one. Eh? <laughs> if you don't tow the party line, you're out. <laughs> that didn't um, like taint my view in Christianity or anything like that at all. I think I understand where they were coming from. It's a Christian camp. We want Christians to be there in the summer because I think they're. Christian message is more driven hard yeah, in the can, summer. In a way, I understand it. Yeah. And um, just looking at some of the questions coming through, what were some of the questions, if you can think of them, that you would persistently ask? Like, what were these questions that as you were going through, you tried to get answered that just weren't satisfactorily answered? Was it the same set of questions or was a question answered that led to another question? I would say it's more of a question that's led to another question. My, I feel like my questions have kind of evolved with my experience of, I guess, learning. Um, but I think the main question, and this is a question that I still sit with now, is I can't, I can't disprove God as much as mm-hmm. you can't disprove the magical purple flying toaster roaming the galaxies. So that's kind of a useless mm-hmm. thing to argue. Mm-hmm. But my, the question that I want is. Have to be answered is why is it your God? Why is yours the correct one? Right. Mm-hmm. right. Why not theirs? Why not the other one? Like, why your God and not Buddha, not uh, the gods of Hinduism, not not Allah, not yeah. And so that's still yeah, a question Yahweh. that Yahweh. That's still a that's I guess my main question right now. And mm-hmm. all those yeah, other right. questions have kind of led to that. In seeking answers to that question, like it sounds like you're in quite a Christian sort of world with where you were saying where you live and stuff. Have you explored um, like potentially like Islam or Judaism or anything like that and sort of seen if you can find an answer? Because if you're not getting satisfactory answers from Christians, are you finding any satisfactory answers anywhere else like that you're looking? So I would say no. Because if there was an answer, if I was getting satisfactory answers, I would probably be following that religion or be doing more things in there. But I do have not as, um, I guess, hands-on isn't really the correct term, but not as much hands-on experience with Islam or Judaism. I do study them in school. Like at my school, you technically have to take like a 200-level course and then a 300-level course in the same faith to graduate with a religion degree. And I did Islam. And so I have that. Right. And then I've taken a couple other courses like Hinduism or uh, like the mm-hmm. general world religions and then some philosophy of religion courses, not focusing directly on a religion. And so with your seeking and your questions that you've been asking, what is the idea that you just can't get around? Like, let's just stick with Christianity because okay. that's probably like a lot of where our audience is coming from. What do you think the difference is between the people, you, your Christian friends and you? Ooh, I would say a lot of my Christian friends have very different experiences, but I feel like a lot of them, I guess they've been told it since they were young. The mm-hmm. I guess the indoctrination and every single one of them will say, I'm not indoctrinated and I love you, but... Um, <laughs> but, but I think you are. <laughs> I guess there's that, just growing up with it and being told that this is true, this Jesus loves you, Jesus is your savior, God is real, God is always watching, God will punish you if you're bad. Just again, the problem that I have, I guess, with accepting Christianity as a legitimate. Yeah. I'm trying. I'm trying very carefully to pick my words properly here, um, because. Oh, we'll we'll let you explain. Take as much time as you want. You can yeah. if if you say anything and then go, oh, that came out wrong. We can post edit it out so it's yeah. exactly what you want to say. Oh. So don't worry about that. So your question, why don't I? I guess buy into it. Uh, it's yeah because after like even. Like I've been studying it for uh, a couple of years now, and just seeing how constructed 
it is and picking apart like I've just taken a course on um, Paul of Paul the Apostle and so we dove into his letters his undisputed letters I guess I'll say because there's some letters in the Bible that are attributed to Paul and in this class we learned that yeah those Paul really didn't write those because it's using incorrect language. It's talking about things Paul wouldn't have known. The timelines don't line up. And so figuring out those things and then seeing how, I guess this is just one example, but then seeing how Christians, like for example, the book of Acts was not written by Paul um, and seeing how heavily, I guess they rely on this book and not knowing their, the how it was actually made and like what is actually. So you're referencing here, it sounds, I'll try and pull out a few things. It sounds like you're, what you're looking at is you're looking at the Bible that Christians look at and, and most would say this is the inerrant word of God and they'll have their origins of it saying Paul, like you said, Paul wrote Acts, Paul wrote a lot of the New Testament and you've gone into a university, I'm presuming, uh, with I guess what historians and theologians who are looking at the Timelines and timeline and the stuff, history yeah. and they're telling you almost the opposite of what how Christians hold the Bible that these historians are saying, well, Paul did, didn't write Acts. And so you're like, this book isn't what Christians claim it to be. Is that a fair assessment? In a way? Yes. I would say that. I think that how I don't, I don't think I, because a lot of Christians I think would agree that the Bible is the inherent word of God. But mm. that also means that it, it was also written by people and people yeah. are fallible. And mm-hmm. so then I've had a couple people argue when I bring up an uncomfortable, I guess, book or verse, um, them say, well, well, yeah, it was written by humans. It's, it, we can't, God doesn't necessarily think that because humans are fallible. I'm like, okay, so which is it? Is it a fallible text written by humans or is it the inherent is it the inherent word of god so you're seeing a contradiction in there yeah. with when you're asking this question you're, you're trying to say which one is it is it did god write it but then you bring up a verse where it's like let's just go to leviticus that's the famous <laughs> one leviticus. Some, love that. Love <laughs> some, that, man. some un, unfun killing of various groups of people and you're yeah. like and they're like oh well a human wrote it as well and so so you feel like what, there's a disconnect there's a disconnect yeah. or or uh, what is it? Cognitive dissonance. Cognitive yeah. dissonance. Yeah. Yes. They're saying one thing, but then you're like, "Well, it, it's not that," and you're seeing them dance around it a little bit, but still hold it the same way. Yeah, there have there's some mental gymnastics going on in there that I just can't hop on board with because I the contradictions are huge. They're not few and far between. Yeah. There's so many things that don't line up, and so many things that I don't agree with that I can't. Support. I noticed a word you used a little while back um, that I'd like to maybe explore a little bit. Um, you mentioned that their experience might be different. So um, can you maybe describe what you've observed of like your Christian friend's experience and then maybe how your experience might have differed to that um, that you've sort of observed in other, in other people? Like their life experience, you mean, or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, do you think some experience that your friends have had, can you see any of them and go, oh, well, that would be why they believe, or? Sure, yeah. Um, uh, Experience is an interesting argument for um, God. It's one that's actually debated quite a bit. Like, is this, Mm -hmm. is it viable? Can we we really trust that? Because, um, again, I have that problem with that (laughs) because... For example, say a Muslim would have their experience of Allah and they would say, yes, I believe in Allah because I've had this experience, this experience, and this experience. And then a Christian would be like, no, 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 no. I believe in the Christian God because I've had this experience, this experience, and this experience. It's like, okay, well, who's right? Yeah. And it's um, not compelling for you. Yeah. So if so, if your friends are like, this has been my personal experience, they might have had an encounter, quote unquote, um, with God or something like that. And they tell you and your general response to that is, it's yeah. not me. Like yeah. it didn't, that didn't happen to me. Um, That's a good question. I don't think I have a solid answer for you. Um, but I haven't had an experience in my life that has been so compelling that I'm like, wow, that must be God. 
And I'm not dis- I'm not okay. saying that whatever you experienced wasn't God, because I can't prove that it wasn't. It very well could have been. It sounds as if I'm going to drop some some terminology here. So sorry about that. <laughs> Would it be fair to say that you're a materialist? So a materialist. I'm going to poorly define it, being like everything that exists can be proven with like physics and everything physically can be proven by like science and hard data and measured. And if that's a, that's a poor definition, let me Google one. (laughs) Uh, Let's go. Okay. Wikipedia materialism is a form of philosophical monism. Oh, good start. (laughs) That holds that matter is the fundamental substance in nature and that all things, including mental states and consciousness are results of material interaction. So there's nothing outside of physical matter. So it's like brain chemistry, chemicals in your brain and all that sort of stuff are the result of people feeling connected to God or something like that or, you know, yeah. Currently, where I am right now, I would say yes. Um, Because even incredible experiences like love or or happiness or anything like that, you can... Now we have the, I guess, neuroscience that can show that these things that feel, I guess, immaterial, they actually are Mm -hmm. material and they're these tiny little things in your brain that are sending zaps everywhere to make you feel this. And so currently right now, I would say that I I guess I am. Yeah. So you're saying like, if you're bringing me personal experience, that's your subjectivity, but you're looking for more physical tangible material evidence for you to sway your mind and in some ways you could say to that person all right you've had that experience let's pop you in an mri and i can show you why you're having that experience is that sort of maybe i think there have been um, scientific studies doing that and i don't i haven't read them and i should but (laughs) uh, yeah i've heard i've heard there's a couple yeah Yeah. Uh, what if you had a quote-unquote, spiritual, personal experience. Would you rethink or would you go, well, it's probably some crazy neurochemistry going on. Let me look into it. Would that convince you or change your worldview? I would absolutely look into it because I have a goal where I want to believe as many true things as possible. And if that were to happen and it would sway me a little bit, I'd look more into that. Because I'm not, I'm not concrete in my position as an atheist. I'm not so set that I'm like, God does not exist. This isn't real. You're wrong. I'm right. Uh, anything else is incorrect, fake. I not, I don't feel that, and so I, I want to believe what's true. And if something was to come up, I would look more into that. And you want to believe as many true things as possible. And. Once again, the point of this podcast is I think everyone wants that, whether you're religious or non-religious. I want to pull out of this that you have a completely different worldview to many other people or the same as many others as well. And you want to believe true things and they want to believe true things. And that's a, that's a very commonality. So I want to, I want to drill into that a little bit. When you use the word truth, like I want to believe as many true things as possible. Can you define what something true is for you? Yeah, (laughs) this is also a hard question to answer because in the study of religion, the definition of truth is debated upon too. And exactly, everything's (laughs) debated upon. The definition of religion in the study of religion is debated upon. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, I would say that truth is like the agreement or correspondence of a statement to like the physical reality um, or the world, the fact of a world that's that you can understand or see. So it has. To, it sounds like you're drawing on what might be called, man, I hope I'm using these big words correctly, like empiricism. Like you've got to be able to empirically prove it with like measurable metrics in order for you to classify that as true. As something that can be yes. defined as true. For me right now, nothing has shown me otherwise. Um, Nothing has swayed me otherwise or all the questions that I've asked have not pushed me in the other direction. They've pushed me more towards here. And so for me currently, yes. A Christian might say to you, um, and I only know this because I come from a Christian background, (laughs) (laughs) um, a lot of the stuff you read in the Bible, um, you can't empirically, you know, say that something is true or accurate or whatever because in the same way that um 
you can't tell somebody how you love them because of their height and their um, shoe size and things like that. There's like they're the empirical facts about a human being, but that's not why you love that person. There's like there's some intangible something that you can't sort of measure as to why you love them. So um, Christians would say, well, God's kind of like that. Like you can't, um, just because you can't measure God, it doesn't mean that God can't love you or that God doesn't exist. So it's sort of like, um, it's more a metaphorical thing as opposed to like a literal thing that you can, um, you know, put a flag in the ground and say, this is God and, and this is what I love about him or her or, or whatever God looks like for other people. Do you have any sort of comments around there that you might um, like, because so far we'll focus a lot on like your empirical sort of understanding and your materialistic nature, um, sort of outlook on the world. So what about like when it comes to art and love and creativity and things like that, that don't necessarily have empirical measures by any, you know, standard of empiricism? Do you have anything that to add on to that? Well, I would say for the you can't really measure your love, I guess, for someone. I would say like the reason why you love someone is maybe because of their kindness or their humor or their personality or the things that they do in the world or how they conduct themselves. And I would say that all of those are, I guess, material. Okay, right. And so right, I don't right. fully okay. I don't fully agree with you in that statement. And but again, with love, it's it's a chemical thing, right? Okay. It's a chemical right. process okay. in your brain, yeah. so I don't fully agree with that. Yesterday, we spoke to a philosopher named Peter Rollins. Big fans, right? Here. <laughs> <laughs> and if you if you know people watching online and and people listening, if you haven't listened to his work, go back. It'll be the episode before this one. Listen to that one. Um, he brings in some interesting ideas, and I want to put I want to put them to you to see kind of what you think of them. He would say that we're all an atheist to something. So you're an atheist to that toaster in the space, right? We're an atheist to the tooth fairy and Santa and we're an atheist to everything. But we're also an atheist to certain types of gods. So if you're a Christian, then you're an atheist to the gods of Hinduism, uh, the god of Islam. You're... And even within Christianity, we have... My, my understanding of God will be different to... Exactly. To we have yeah. 33,000 different Christian denominations because we just like to... Like you've had experienced, you don't tow the party line, make your own religion somewhere <laughs> else. So we've got a lot of them. And each one, in a way, will be an atheist to the other one. It's like, oh, you believe in, in going to church on a Saturday, not a Sunday? Well, I'm an atheist to that God. You believe a, this God has a literal hell? Uh, that you go and burn forever. I'm an atheist to that God. My God, I don't believe in a literal hell. And so in this way, we're this interplay of atheism and theism and belief always are interchangeable. So it sounds to me as I'm talking to you that you're an atheist to a... You've, well, you've spoken about this and you can say you're an atheist to other types of gods as well, but it sounds like the main God you've been exposed to is... Um, a certain type of Christian God, a very like literal big man in the sky who blesses Judging people and, and curses yeah. people and judges people. And this God uh, inspired the inerrant word of God. And it, I would say the God you're talking about is probably an evangelical conception yeah, of, yeah. of God. Like evangelicalism, common. most Protestantism yeah. would, would have this type of God. Um, Catholicism would be different. So what do you make of that idea of like, you're an atheist to this type of God, but are there other conceptions of God that you would be more open to? Interesting. Um, before I answer that, I want to, because again, the interesting definition of atheism, it's, I think the one that you're playing with there is like, I don't believe in your God. Like a Christian would say, mm -hmm. I don't believe in Allah, rather than I lack a belief in Allah. Well, I think it could be interchangeable. I lack a belief in all these things as well, yeah. But I would, yes, I don't believe in the Christian God, but I also don't believe in any of the Hindu gods or the Buddhist idea of Brahman or what Jains believe or Sikhs or any of that, really. Because, again, uh, I don't see proof of an, um, 
an intelligent designer. But are you are you talking about like a literal intelligent designer? Like, let me let me, and this might be you know a bit, almost like another being. Yeah, yeah. Like it sounds like you're like I can't believe, and it's, Peter Rollins would put it this way as a super being. So we have this perception of God, and this is how I think most people use it. Now we I might think be getting so. too philosophical, <laughs> yeah. this, but most people use this. Uh, when they say God, they mean something, which is why we're really digging into like definitions and things. So when when maybe your Christian friends, my assumption on your story is that your Christian's friend, when they say, I believe in God, and even yourself, when you say, I don't, oh, well, I lack a belief in God, that word God, I think, corresponds to potentially what would be defined as a super being God, yeah. one where it's like me. But better. So I it, like every shortcoming I have, this better. super being. I'm present, it's omnipresent. Yeah. I'm I'm stuck here on earth. Yeah. It's everywhere. Yeah. I have limitations. This God is like it's like a human, but better. Yeah. Is has that is that the kind of God you're mainly talking about when you talk about lack of belief your lack of belief in that and yeah. the Christians you've been hanging out with? I would say with the people that I talk to most when talking about God, I guess that would be the definition that of God that okay. I use because that's what most people I'm surrounded yeah. with. That's the type it's, of God they yeah. believe in. Yeah. And so I mainly exactly. like focus on that. But any other yeah. conceptions of God, it doesn't have to be the theist definition where God created the universe and he um, he's still here and he still answers prayers and he still punishes people. And I also don't wouldn't believe in the deistic view of God, where it's like God created the universe and the world, but then He stepped back and He has nothing to do with it. I don't believe in any, I guess, form of intelligent design, whether that be literal, like man, but super, or just yeah. in essence, yeah. I guess, like Brahman in the Eastern traditions. I don't necessarily believe in that either. Uh-huh. So right up the top, you said that you're not a nihilist, but I think a lot of Christians like. I can I think I can see where you're coming from but I think a lot of Christians would hear you talking and saying oh well that sounds fairly nihilistic like if there's absolutely nothing then there's nothing like <laughs> yeah so just pull maybe pull some of that apart for us I wouldn't maybe I would say I'm a nihilist I don't believe that there is any inherent meaning in the world there's no purpose that God is giving you there's no you're not here for any specific reason to fulfill or to become or do. I think you create that meaning, which I think that is nihilism. So maybe I was, I lied at the beginning, but <laughs> <laughs> we lied. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> but how do you feel about that? Like I, maybe a Christian would be like, "Wow, that's depressing. I never want to be a nihilist because they might say there's no hope now because, like, yeah." Yeah, how do you feel being a nihilist then? Being yeah. like, well, there's no meaning, there's no purpose. Why don't you just, oh, this sounds terrible. Why don't you just kill yourself? Like, just the end. <laughs> you know what I mean? Not that we're advocating that. Definitely not advocating <laughs> that. I think that it's almost more beautiful because, like, this is all you have. You're mm. not, there's not something promised afterwards. I'm not working towards, I'm not living my life for something I can't guarantee that's in the future. I'm living for right now because I believe this is it. You're saying your quality of life then is like, heightened yeah because you have to take advantage of every moment because this is every breath is a gift because it's all you've got yeah absolutely i'm i would say so um i think it would be worse for me to be worried about if i'm uh if i'm pleasing sky daddy up there making sure i'm doing everything he (laughs) wants me to do i think that that is a constricting and kind of sad way to live because you're not living for yourself, which some people will be like, yeah, you're selfish. You're living for Good something else that you can't yeah. prove exists. What I picked up out of there is you feel that your life is um, productive and valuable and everything like that because of what you do, whereas um, maybe a belief in a God and a, like an afterlife is, is more of like a lazy position to be in maybe. I wouldn't say lazy. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that because I do think that religious people find value in their life through their God, through their religion. Absolutely, yeah. I'm not going to deny that. The thought of doing that is, I don't don't like that. <laughs> what I'm hearing with your 
what you just said there is that what, what I'm hearing is that you're actually working in, in on, a, on a similar train line, but it's just running parallel too because you're saying, well, I create my, um, my value and they create their value, but it's through God that they create their value. Would that be an accurate sort of description of what you're saying or am I reading too much into it? <laughs> I think kind of, but I don't think that they're I, – I wouldn't say that they are making their meaning their own meaning because again i'm going to focus on christians because i think that's what you said most of your audiences and that's what i have most exposure to um there there's this like this idea of your meaning and your identity it's 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 given to you in christianity um it's your like you're a woman great this is what you get to do. You're a man. You are the leader of the house. You mm. have to serve, like um, provide. And woman, you have to serve. And it's kind of just, I know people are going to argue on that and be like, oh, that's outdated. Mm. I can talk to you about right. that too. But, but I don't have with, I guess how I feel is I don't, I'm not, I don't have this specific role or identity handed to me that I have to fulfill to make my God happy or pleased with me. Right. Sounds like you're talking about freedom, which is also a exclusive claim Christians love to make. Yep. I'm freer being religious. And you're pretty much saying the same thing, saying I'm freer now because I'm not told by potentially, I would say, a cultural reading of this text. I'm not being dictated that to me. Um, I'm... Free. Yeah, I'm free. <laughs> would you agree with that? Would you would you say that, yeah, you're talking about freedom, essentially? In a way, yes. I would say that I guess I think I would be more free, but I can understand how religious people would argue that because they feel mm-hmm. that they are free. It's kind of how I see it is you're free within a box. Um, you are or they are? They are. They are. They are. Yeah. They are. yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Christians are not free. Clickbait. Tick, tick, tick. <laughs> if, like, if you fit the mold, obviously you feel free. If you fit the... Ooh, right, that's okay. That's really good. Interesting. If you fit the like ideal, I'm going to just play with, go for like a straight white male right now. If you fit that, okay. which is really easy to be um, in, I guess, mm. Christianity, people are going to hate me for this, but that's a super easy thing to be in. Obvious, there's, yeah, because there's nothing that goes against you or your identity in your faith that you're following right i really like that that's i really like that definition of quote unquote free that's oh man can you you say talk about that again just just go again i really like it and so if i guess say let's be i guess an easy an easy one to talk about would be then if you're gay and a christian and so you're you're not free in that sense to be who you are because your religion is telling you otherwise Mm. and there's lots of different paths that i guess homosexuals take within christianity some leave the church some stay celibate some um still marry Mm -hmm. a man and still have sex with men and and some um, marry women but there's it's still in the in your book in your teachings to not be Gay, and if you're going to be gay, don't act on it. It's like hate the sin, love the sinner. That's right. that's no better, because yeah, right. the person who's probably saying that isn't um, constricted within their identity in their religion. So it's easier for you, it's easy for you to say, be like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. You don't having sex is not hard. It's fine. I understand. It's like, well, that person when they get married, they get to go and have their straight sex. The gay person doesn't get yeah. to do that. And so, yeah, I think if yeah, you fit so the mold, it's easy to be free. Uh, when there's no resistance, it's really easy to feel free. But when you're bumping yeah. up against... Because I guess freedom, you're making me, me think now. See, this is what happens. This is what <laughs> happens when you talk to people. Uh, yeah, it, when you're talking about freedom, freedom, I guess, is a subjective experience. You say, I feel free um, wherever I am. It's like a, a you know, every, it's a subjective statement yeah. people make. And so what yeah. you're saying is it's directly linked to your environment that you're within. So me within church, straight, white, male, I I get certain privileges, you know, there's that, what is it, that Proverbs wife or something where it's like, here's what wives should be to your husbands and husband be your wife. And, you know, there's that 
patriarchal history, right, of, of Christianity. So obviously within me, I'm like, ah, oh, Christianity is so free for me. Yeah. But you're saying if you don't fit that structure that benefits some over others, women, I mean, I know the church we came from, worldwide rejected ordaining female pastors. Yeah. and Still to this day. Still to this day, yeah. I think, like, I mean, you know, there'll be Christians more progressive saying, no, no, that's contextual there's a big spectrum but but still if you can't if you're a woman and you can't be a pastor that is a limitation on you so how would you be how would you be as free as a male pastor i guess it's an interesting concept that you're talking about yeah and on your point of the more progressive churches i think that's interesting because the the one that the one church that you came from i guess they are hmm, it's hard to be like oh no 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 that's from that's that's in the past we don't have to follow that anymore it's like but that's the inherent word of god and god didn't say anywhere in there to make my rules fit your social standards it, it hasn't it hasn't over, like god hasn't stepped in and overridden anything that was written back in the bible there yeah right okay as much as yeah. i hate it um technically i guess like for the churches that are like yeah of course we accept the lgbtq or grsm community well it's like well no your bible says you you shouldn't and so really and god hasn't come back or jesus hasn't sent a messenger a message and been like no no no, that's cool now we we're changing changing uh, our our stance on that one (laughs) well and i guess I guess that's the nuance to step in for my more progressive friends and perhaps what they would say in this regard is that the more progressive you seem to get, the differently you view the Bible. So you start at one end of conservative Christianity that reads it as the literal inerrant word of God and the more progressive you get, like you said, you said, no, no, this is the inerrant word of God. Many of my progressive friends would say, yeah, I don't believe it's the inerrant word of God. I believe it's a textbook. Rob Bell would describe it this way. Uh, He would say it's a a book of humanity progressing. Deflect your heretic comment on to Rob Bell. Yeah, Rob Bell, the heretic, he would, yeah, he would say the, the Bible is a collection of works of people uncovering what this God is and this book is their journey. So yeah. you're not reading it as a textbook of a literal Genesis six-day creation. You're also not reading it as a guidebook to how to treat homosexuals. They would... So yeah, that, that spectrum there, just to kind of, if there's any more progressives listening, if they want to hear their view, hopefully yeah. that's roughly what they're kind of thinking. So yeah. what do you make of that more progressive, I say, looser holding of the Bible? So it's not inerrant. It's a helpful book that they enjoy reading that helps them guide their life. Yeah. Um, I think it's, I obviously I would prefer that because I like um, equality. Okay. That's cool. Uh yeah, but again, yeah. I would come back to, and I guess this kind of plays into the no true Scotsman fallacy, but who's right? The super conservative Christian who thinks it's literal or the more progressive ones that say, no, 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 no. This, these are metaphors. These parts are metaphors. And mm. gays are okay. Women can speak in churches. Who's right? How do we prove who's right? I like that question. How would you answer that? Neither. No one, neither of you are right. Interesting. Yeah. Why would you say that? Because she's an atheist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair. Um, yeah, because I guess I rely... Science, for me, and I rely more on science than I do on religion, atheist. Um, but yeah. science has never proven that there is a God. It has only proven that there isn't. If we go way back right. to, I guess... Um, Greco-Roman gods, or even before then, um, all the, I guess let's start with weather, that was attributed to, thunder was attrib- thunder and lightning was attributed to, to Zeus because they yeah. didn't understand how it worked. It's not us doing it, it must be something bigger than us doing it. And so then once we, um, when science progressed and we found out that, oh, lightning actually happens because of this, this, and this, not because there's some man in the sky throwing down thunderbolts. Mm-hmm. And so that progression in science erased those gods. And keep, if we keep just moving forward, science has never right. proven that there is a god. It's only proven that 
It's done the opposite. I want to I want to come to morals. A lot of Christianity pull morals out of out of um, their understanding of God. So you've said that you don't believe in those gods. So where do you get your morals from then? Okay, so I would say that um, I'm a secular humanist, and um, I don't. I wouldn't assume that humans are inherently good or bad. And so mm-hmm. morality kind of exists within the social world, meaning that um, societies throughout time have figured out basic moral codes to follow, like don't hurt each other, don't kill each other, don't steal, to help their societies and families grow. And before the Bible or before the Ten Commandments, there were functioning societies, but they didn't have mm. they didn't have the Ten Commandments to tell them this is good, this is bad, or this, that, and the other. And um, even like research suggests that there's animals who follow social codes like chimpanzees may like they punish other chimps for violating certain rules of their social order and obviously they mm-hmm. can't read the 10 commandments and uh not that anyone's empirically showed anyway <laughs> <laughs> so i guess humanity's morals have evolved by applying a secular morality to society and an easy example of that is women's rights in the lgbtq or grsm rights um, right. And so for the argument of morality, um, I would say that if, if you believe that uh, morals come from God, I, you need to prove that God is the only way that morals could come about. And just by yeah. asking me where my morals come from, not you necessarily, or you, or like just yeah, yeah, yeah. religious people saying like asking atheists or secular humanists like, well, where do your morals come from? Mine come from God. Just asking that does not prove your idea yeah. that your morals are correct. You still need to prove that your God or God in general is the only way that morals could come about. You're, Interesting. You're saying that um, when Christians say that morals come from God, you're, you're kind of saying, well, when I look at a hum, human evolutionary societal perspective, uh, book recommendation, Sapiens by Noe <laughs> Harari, he writes, he writes about this, um, where he talks about how societies come together and, and show that over time they progress in certain ways. And you're saying a mechanism like that, which I've reduced to a poor, poor understanding of, that's how morals came about. So you're saying, well, here's my explanation of how morals came about. The God one doesn't really stack up against my more empirically justified, uh, justified one yeah. as as spoken about by historians and yeah. what, biolo- social evolutionary biologists, social yeah. biologists. Yeah. I don't know what they yeah. are. <laughs> Lots of scientists out there. <laughs> so yeah. bring that. Bring that to yourself then. Like, how do you, and it might, it might seem like a pretty elementary question, but, it, but I, I don't think it is. How do you then navigate personally? Because a Christian would say, I look at the Bible and, and, and that's my guidebook. How do you then guide what's right and wrong? What's your guidebook? Is like, it society? Where do you get yours like from? if, like, let's take this Corona virus going on right now. Uh, do you, as soon as the government changes the rules, is that a compass on your morality or can the government go too far? How do you navigate this minefield of what's right and wrong or what are the inputs? For me, what guides my, I guess, morality, I think it would be empathy. And so I don't want somebody to come and stab me. So why should I go come and go and stab somebody else? I don't want somebody to steal my stuff. And so if I don't want that, I'm sure somebody else doesn't want them to do that. To me, that sounds stupid, but I guess people, you do that, most people do that every day, mm-hmm. right? Definition of secular humanism is it is a philosophy or life stance that embraces human reason, secular ethics, and ph- philosophical naturalism while specifically rejecting religious dogma, supernaturalism, and superstition as the basis of morality and decision making. And that's exactly what you just said. You said, Religion doesn't give me my morality. My morality comes from I how guess, you like to be societal constructs. Yeah. Is that would that be a fair assessment? Like society has. So if you lived in a time, let's take something controversial just to get people clickbaiting. If you lived in a time of polyamory, or you know, multiple wives or multiple husbands, you would say, "Yeah, I'm cool with that." Not necessarily. Um, 
because okay. I again for polyamory, it's for me it comes down to consent. If okay. it doesn't hurt right. anyone, if and if it's not hurting you, there's there's really nothing wrong with it. Right. And I right. guess mm-hmm. a lot of I don't want to categorize people so harshly, but I think a lot of religious people would say polyamory is not okay because my holy book says no. It's one man, one woman in marriage, that right. kind of thing. And so put your book aside. What, 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 other than your book saying no, why is it wrong mm-hmm. if it's consensual, respectful, and not hurting anyone? That's if we go man. back in time to polyamory, I don't think maybe that was fully consensual, but I can't. Yeah, your definition of, I guess, empathy is, seems to be the one you're coming back to, which yeah. is like, well, if I would like to be respected and not forced yeah. into a marriage, then I would not be for that yeah. in a society as well, I guess. Yeah, yeah. 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 Probably need to let you go soon. But what's your view of Christians then? Like, how do you see Christians? Because right up the top, we asked, um, you know, if you're smarter than Christians and you, it was a pretty fast and hard no. So yeah, yeah, sort of pull apart maybe what, what it looks like for you as you move through your world of, of interacting with Christians and stuff like that. I have a lot of friends who are Christians um, from working at that camp that Conrad and I both worked at. I still have a lot of friends from there and I love them dearly. I have one friend who he is, just the most Jesus-loving, Jesus-preaching human. And he is fantastic, and I love him. Um, And I have a friend who I've known since grade six, and she's very religious. And we just don't, like, sometimes we talk about it, but that doesn't doesn't change my view on them as a person um, because it hasn't had any reason in my life to if they were going Mm -hmm. around saying that homosexuals should be stoned to death then maybe i'll reconsider our friendship but um (laughs) (laughs) but the christians in my life i don't have problem with their christianity religious not i see the person first and and i love them as as who they are yeah what what would you say then, and you've kind of already answered this, but you can add to it if you want. What missteps do you think Christians take in their reasoning towards a worldview? You've already mentioned, uh, I don't know how a large part indoctrination has played. Why do you think people are Christian? Lots of reasons. One, because maybe they were indoctrinated growing up that way. Two, because they need... A reason. I also think a lot of these are subconscious things. Like people aren't. Like, yeah, that's fine. I'm. A, sure, I'm yeah. going to be a Christian because I'm afraid of death, or I'm afraid of not knowing. I guess a God of the gaps is another reason. It's easier. I'm going to argue that it's easier to believe in a God that will right. that loves you and that gives you meaning, and that there is something waiting for you in the unknown that we have like absolutely no idea about. Um, I guess because. Hmm. It fits with, I guess it answers people's questions, um, but I would argue that those questions, those, those aren't really answers, but some people see mm-hmm. them as answers. and um, Gives people certainty, and you th- you're saying that that's a more comfortable way of living? I think so. I think uncertainty is uncomfortable. Not knowing uh, is very uncomfortable, I think, at least, like waiting. For- is that where you would say you are? Not knowing? I'm, yeah, I would say yeah. that I, I'm not 100% certain. Again, on that Richard Dawkins 7 scale, I'm not a 7 um, because yeah. I'm open to being wrong and I can admit that I don't know and that's okay. And again, with um, even believing in science, science doesn't have all the answers and that's okay. It, just because we don't have those answers now doesn't mean we won't have them in the future and shoving God into those gaps isn't good enough for me. What changes uh, for you if it turns out that they are right? How does that affect how you think about things? I, if, I, if I'm wrong, um, I would be happy to find out that I'm wrong because, again, I want to believe as many sure. true things as possible. And I'd be like, if I guess sure. finding out that I'm wrong, <laughs> if I die and I find out that I'm wrong, I'll go to God and be like, man, cool. Like... 
Tell me what I missed. <laughs> like, I, cool. Like, I didn't, I couldn't see it. What did I miss? Why, where were you, dude? Mm. Like, yeah, but I feel like people might have this caricature of someone who says they're an atheist as someone who just doesn't want to believe. And if they're it's wrong, hardline. they're like, I don't want, I don't want there to be yeah. a God. Uh, but I feel like you're painting a very different picture of that. You know, like it sounds like on some level, part of you would prefer to believe because you imagine it might be easier in certain ways, but because you want to believe as many true things as possible, you're saying you, you can't believe and there's beautiful things in that that you've found. Absolutely. We appreciate your time a lot. Thanks, Hannah, and your, your thoughts. And hopefully, whether you're listening on the podcast or on the Instagram live, that um, you've had a chance to maybe think, think about things a little bit differently and Hannah's sort of shared some really good ideas uh, that are definitely worth delving into. Um, yeah, it's obviously, as Hannah said, it's obviously a discomfort to sit with the, some of these ideas, but I think it's been really valuable. So, If you're watching and listening, whether you agree or disagree, I don't really care. <laughs> Not the point. Uh, and that's once what make, might make this podcast uncomfortable. Cause, but I hope, I hope on some level, whether you agree or disagree, you've been able to understand how someone like Hannah who identifies as an atheist thinks. And I know personally, and I'm not just making this up to plug my own podcast. As I was talking to Hannah, I was like, damn, that's a really interesting perspective. And I've actually learned something and probably taken taken something on board. Spoiler alert, it was that freedom thing. I was like, damn, that's a really good <laughs> definition of freedom and, and how we find it. So if you want to get in touch with us, ideasdigest at gmail.com is our email. Send us topic ideas, um, blog posts that you find people to talk to people to talk to yeah. questions every Friday uh, this Friday night we will be discussing the atheism we'll have a few questions that will no not atheism no it's oh, Roland's it's Roland's yeah. okay sorry we're an episode ahead we're, <laughs> we're, uh, but we might try and get in touch with Hannah again for our Friday night Instagram lives in two weeks time come back and yeah. you can ask her a question and our Instagram is if you're on it and if you're listening at Ida's Digest that's the yeah, Instagram yeah. so thanks for listening and we will catch everybody in the next episode whenever that is <laughs>